Russia. The world's largest country. One-tenth of all land on Earth. Spanning 11 time zones. Two continents. With shores on three oceans. About a hundred different languages are spoken here. Though, of course, Russian ties it all together. Black bears, polar bears, snow leopards, and the Siberian tiger. Bitter, cold winters. Trains and subways that connect people and cities. Known for Tolstoy and Tchaikovsky. Such a wonderfully rich history. Such wonderful people. Overshadowed for most of us by revolutions, politics, and perspective. But the organization we're featuring today hasn't let this stand in the way. St. Gregory's Foundation works in several regions of Russia and the country of Georgia, helping those left vulnerable. Children who don't have parents who can provide for them, parents who need training and resources to better care for their children, young adults and families who need guidance and opportunity, teaching, mentoring, providing food and clothing for those in need. Join me now as we meet Jane Jones of St. Gregory's Foundation. You'll enjoy getting to know her, and you'll hear a passion and an energy in her voice as she shares their vision and their love for the people of Russia. where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. This is another edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. My name is Adam Asher. Great to have you with us, whether you're listening to the audio version of the show or if you're watching the video version, however you prefer to be a part of this. I just thank you. Appreciate you being a part of the Edge of Adventure and all the different organizations that we get to know. And today we are going to be traveling to Russia and to Georgia to get to know these locations and to get to know the work of an organization, a foundation called St. Gregory's Foundation. And joining me today to talk about this organization and the work they do is Jane Jones, one of the directors for the foundation. Jane, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. 
Well, it's great to have you. And today, by the way, you're joining us from where? Chester in England. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and it'll be great to get to know the work of the foundation in Russia and Georgia. So let's put it into perspective, both for me and for the audience. The foundation, St. Gregory's Foundation, works primarily where and who are you helping? Well, we are based in London. Um, the, the actual work is done. This, this charity was set up in London by expatriate Russian people when the Russian Federation was formed. We have various projects in Russia and Georgia, which we support from England. We raise the money in England and it goes over to the projects in Russia and Georgia. We have a major project in St. Petersburg, working with orphanage leavers. We have a project in the north of Karelia, which is based around a church parish and the work of the parish priest. We have a project in Moscow, which is our newest project, working with disabled children. We have another couple of projects, and more in St. Petersburg than anywhere, but they're not exclusively what we support. We also have a wonderful project in Georgia called Mukordnali, where uh, they work with young offenders and they have the most incredible uh, success rate in keeping young people out of the prison system, providing free legal aid and sometimes hosting them if, if they've got nowhere to live, if they're homeless and working with them. So our projects are you know, in, in various locations where there is a need. Various locations and various different types of needs. And so I think we're going to just talk a little bit about each of those as we get to know the work of St. Gregory's Foundation. Let's start with your work among and for and with those who have been orphaned. The term orphanage is actually a bit misleading because most of the young people we work with have parents. They are social orphans, if you like, and correctly, we would call them children's homes, but they are still known as orphanages. They are looked after in the orphanages until they get to 16, and then they find themselves out uh, in independent living with very few life skills. And so we support a project called the Sunflower Centre, who work with life skills with young orphanage leavers, teenagers who want a lot, especially a lot of them who get pregnant and need help parenting their own children. Because if you're not careful, there can be a, a whole cycle the young person leaves the orphanage, she gets pregnant, she doesn't know what to do with the baby, she doesn't know which end to put a napkin on. Uh, and so they then get taken into care and, and start all, the cycle all over again. And Sunflower Centre actually supports young parents. They teach them parenting skills. And we've been doing this for years now, and that is a most successful project. They have a 90-something percent success rate in keeping families together. They are predominantly girls, because they're the ones who get pregnant, obviously, but there are young men as well. They teach them parenting skills to the men as well. Well, young, they're very often young boys. And so they use psychologists and counsellors and people who train behavioural issues with children, how to feed them, how to dress them, how to look after them when they're ill, all of the parenting skills that we take for granted if you're brought up in a normal family. But these young people, they've never seen it. They're kept in year groups in the orphanages, so they don't mix with older children or younger children. So they literally don't know what a baby looks like. And so uh, they work with them and have a fantastic success rate. I've seen this project. I mean, one of the great things about St. Gregory's, because we're so small, we can all get very much involved in what's going on. 
and I've been to see this project four times now and met some of the young parents who are so grateful for the chance they've been given to keep their own babies and bring their own children up. And in fact, one of the ways St Gregory's works is to support expertise. We actually paid for two of the counsellors or psychologists who work with Sunflower to come over to England and we showed them examples of good practice here. And we brought them up to Chester actually from London to see a charity we have just outside Chester, which does very similar work, keeping families together, keeping the children out of social services and keeping the families together. And they were very impressed in, indeed. And so they were able to go back then to St. Petersburg and apply what they'd seen to the work that they do there. And it, it is you know, an ongoing project, which is extremely successful. We had uh, Giving Tuesday yesterday, where we raised lots and lots of money. And that uh, Sunflower Centre, that project was the focus of our fundraising. And they were visited a few weeks ago by Prince Michael of Kent, who is our patron. They were a bit disappointed. The children apparently wanted him to turn up wearing a crown. Um, when he didn't turn up wearing a crown, just wearing a suit, they were a bit disappointed. But it's great that he is so involved with what we do, the work we do. And it is a most wonderful um, organisation. The advantage of the one they saw in Chester was the fact that they are residential. They have uh, cottages uh, and old farm buildings, which they've converted into residential accommodation, and they can keep the families there for a couple of years. Now, Sunflower are not able to do that because they don't have the premises. So the young families visit them. They are now trying to raise some money for premises. So they've got permanent places so that they can work with the families have them in a flat or something like that and can actually help them in that way so that is the um the orphanage leavers uh, and we have programs to help them manage their money because they've never handled money in an orphanage they have no pocket money everything is provided for them so when they come out of the orphanage and they're, they're given money they don't know what to do it's a lot of you know, sadly there are lots of people out there to exploit them you know if they've got money in their pocket and there are drug dealers and all sorts of unsavory people who will take advantage of those young people and so um, we, Sunflower helped them with that, those sort of life skills as well, how to actually run a home, how to manage their money, how to pay their rent, how to pay the bills, go shopping, basic skills there. And it's a highly successful programme and we're so proud of it. But the amazing thing about the Russians is they are so resourceful, that they are so they're such clever people. They need very little in the way of support from us, actually. So they tell us what they would like to do when we provide them with either money or expertise or experiences, which will help them to achieve those goals. Jane Jones is my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. We're talking about St. Gregory's Foundation. And as she established, they are a foundation that is headquartered in the United Kingdom. She's joining us today from England. The focus, though, we're talking about their work in Russia and Georgia and the wonderful people there. You bring up a point that does come up often on the Edge of Adventure, which is we do use the term orphanage. And around the world, there are orphanages that are orphanages in a traditional sense, kids who don't have parents and they're living at the orphanage. But there's also children's homes where they are in many ways without the leadership of their parents, but they may have the parents, but they're without the provision or the leadership. And so these children's homes provide, they provide so much in terms of a place to be protected and provided for and taught. And that's where you guys come in. However, I believe you guys also work with children, perhaps teenagers who are homeless, who don't 
have a home? In the um, north of Russia, in Kondopoga, which is in Karelia, which is virtually next door to Finland, there is a most wonderful Orthodox parish, which was set up in 1992. Their previous priest was shot in 1932 by Stalin's people. And their present priest, Father Lev Bolsakov, took over in 1992 and has built the parish up to a wonderful hub, not just for Christianity, but also for social activities. He has the most fantastic community team and they feed the homeless. They help with children. They help with young, young with teenagers who get into trouble. Here in Chester, Chester Cathedral, where I'm very involved, we actually support projects in the parish in, in uh, Karelia, which feeds street children. Now, these street children are not strictly speaking homeless in that they go back to perhaps a one room flat sleep overnight and then they're turfed out the next morning onto the streets and they have to fend for themselves. There is a lot of alcoholism in Russia. The Russia, the post-communist Russia has lost a lot of its kind of foundations, if you like. Uh, people don't necessarily have jobs and they've lost the security of knowing where to go, where to be, what to do all the time. And so a lot of alcoholism is now emerging and the life expectancy for men is very short. I think when I first got involved, the life expectancy for men was 69. Women are running everything. Women are running hospitals, schools, factories, because the men are dying very young. And so there are people who just may have a one room, literally one room. And if they have children, quite often single parents, they can't look after those children. They spend the day on, on the streets. Now, Father Lieb and his team take them in and they feed them and they help them through school. They, they find clothes for them and, and equipment for school. Um, we support all sorts of projects uh, there, he, all sorts of innovations that he does, workshops and training and teaching, summer camps to keep the teenagers busy. You know, it is the most thriving community there. At first, social services were slightly worried about them, slightly suspicious of them. But now social services have come to realise they're actually doing a very valuable job and saving social services a great deal of money as well. So they work hand in hand now with social services. Social services recommend children who are vulnerable and they send them down to Father Lieb and Mother Julia and their team to be fed and to be, for them to keep an eye on them. But they're not there all day. You know, they, they just will go for, for a meal and, or they go for certain activities and clubs and, and things like that. So that is a most wonderful project that, uh, that we support. We're also supporting education there. We've actually got involved in some English tuition. We've provided through an agency, a teaching, a tutorial agency, some English lessons for children and some catch-up lessons for them during the COVID lockdown. Um, during the lockdown, the really bad one at the beginning, the children were not allowed to come into the, onto the church premises. They have a, a big house at the side of the church called Parish House, where the children are fed, they have kitchens and so on, and the priest and his wife live there. They weren't allowed on the premises because of the risk of infection. So Father Lieb and his team managed to get hold of food from local businesses, local shops and so on, and they were delivering bags of food to the children's home addresses, which were supplied by social services. So they've kept going during COVID in a most wonderful way. Four years ago, Father Lieb and three of his team came to stay with us in Chester and we took them to the food bank to show them you know, what we do with the hungry people in this country. And they were absolutely bowled over. They didn't think they could do it in Russia because they said 
people won't give food in this way. You know, we people donate in various places, supermarkets and churches and so on. But the people in the food bank were, were talking to Father Yev and his team and said, actually, you've got a harder job than we have in England because there's no tradition of volunteering in Russia. There's no tradition of giving for other people because the communists discouraged that very much. And so they had a wonderful interaction. A lot of the, the work I've certainly been involved in has been this, the spin-off effect has been the interaction between Russia and England. The people who've been here and seen what we do, not to rub their noses in and say, look how wonderfully well off we are, but to say, we share your problems, we share your worries and concerns, and this is how we tackle it. And then people get back to Russia. And we've, my um, group that I'm involved with, you know, we, we've had lots of people go and visit them in Russia over the years. And so even though I've only been a director for five years, I've actually been involved with St. Gregory's for 14 years since I, I went with, on my first trip, which was organised by Chester Cathedral. I was so involved and so taken up with what they were doing. They asked me five years ago to go on to the board of directors. But over the years, I've seen the way things have changed and, and developed and met the same people, gone back to me. And I think that interaction is one of the most valuable things we do. I mean, I do totally believe in exchanging, in sharing and being with other people and coming al alongside other people. And that is what we do. We're, there's two young girls from Kondopoga, from the north in Karelia, who are going to come and stay with me next July, COVID willing. And they will go back and they will then talk to other young people and they'll talk to other, their friends and family. And it's this exchange, uh, as well as the actual money, the money we send them, is only a very small part of the whole picture, actually. The friendship, the support, the, the care, and the expertise and the advice and the experts we send are all you know, a major, major part of what we're doing. This is The Edge of Adventure. I'm Adam Asher, and we'll return to my conversation with Jane Jones of St. Gregory's Foundation in just a moment. But I wanted to confirm something for you. I'm not doing any of this for awards. I'm doing this because I believe in something bigger than Adam Asher. The Edge of Adventure is just my way of taking my skills and experience in radio, podcasting, and filmmaking and putting it all to use, showcasing the world's most unsung heroes, those who serve others around the globe, often under very difficult or dangerous circumstances helping to tell their stories, real stories of great need and great sacrifice. That's why I'm doing this. But I do need to mention that The Edge of Adventure has been chosen as a finalist in the very first Anthem Awards. The Anthem Awards celebrate purpose and mission-driven work from people, companies, and organizations worldwide. So for The Edge of Adventure to now be included among the finalists for their inaugural year is a huge honor. All I can say is, wow, and thank you. I'll keep you posted. They'll be announcing their final selections soon, and as always, you can catch up on all the latest at theedgeofadventure.com. Or look for us in the new Rugged Compass mobile app and community. You can download that today at ruggedcompass.com. All right, let's get back to my conversation now with Jane Jones of St. Gregory's Foundation. She, of course, is joining us today from England, sharing their heart for the wonderful people of Russia, right here 
on the edge of adventure. Jane Jones is my guest today here on the edge of adventure, and she is representing the board of directors at St. Gregory's Foundation, talking about the amazing work and the amazing leaders that you and your team work with on the ground in Russia, in Georgia, in these different locations, in different cities. I do want to talk about leadership. And first of all, you've, you've mentioned him. But let's talk about Prince Michael of Kent. Put that into perspective for so many of us around the world, people who might not have the perspective that uh, you guys have there. Put that into perspective. And then also the other leaders that you're working with on the ground, be sure that if we haven't already talked about them, brag on a couple more. Well, one I would very much like to mention is Dr. Katya Klutschkiver. When I went the first time in 2007, she was running a small project in a, in a very rundown flat, in a very rundown building, with uh, audio equipment that she was taking into uh, maternity wards and testing babies' hearing. One of the major things we do in Russia is changing attitudes, uh, because things changed so drastically, so dramatically in 1992. A lot of children were taken into care because there was something wrong with them. And so deaf children were taken into care instead of being cared for in their own families. And Katya started this project to diagnose them straight away before problems really emerged. And she, as I say, is a doctor. She's a neurologist and a pediatrician. She gave us a wonderful presentation in perfect English, very dynamic, energetic. And over the 14 years, I've seen her work grow and grow and grow and grow. The next time I went, two years later, she'd moved into different premises. She'd introduced physiotherapy, which didn't exist as a separate um, medical entity at that time. She also started an enterprise to raise money for the parents of disabled children who couldn't work, so they had, had to do work at home. And they were making toys, I have to hear, and they were making these felt toys in her new premises, they were coming and um, getting the wool and making the toys and selling them to um, a Swedish company, a Swedish toy maker. It was a thriving little thing. So these children were, were she was looking after the deaf children, she was looking after children who were disabled and needed physiotherapy. The next time we went, she got even bigger premises and she'd got the most fantastic setup. And she also was working with a disabled school now, which is unique in the whole St. Petersburg region. You know, doesn't exist anywhere else. <laughs> and Father Liev and his team, for the first time, have been looking after 10 disabled youngsters in Kandapoga, and they had a summer camp and took these youngsters uh, on the summer camp with them. And it was very good for the children, the youngsters, in, the able-bodied youngsters in Kandapoga. They'd never met disabled people before because let's say they're hidden away normally. And so that was a very successful project. But the Dynamica Centre, which is the school in St. Petersburg, Katya again was involved, fully ahead, forging on, thinking, planning. You know, she had the most fantastic ability to communicate. And now her latest, excuse me, just look at my notes because I want to get this right. The Ministry of Health in the Russian Federation uh, recommended to the Ministry of Labour, the Russian Federation, professional standards based on international standards for work that is helping with physiotherapy and occupational therapy. And Katya was on the board with the Ministry of Health and she has gone from this little flat, which is about the size of my study here, she's gone to 
now being on the on, on a committee with the ministry of, minister of health and she's just such an incredible woman so if i wanted to pinpoint any one of our people on the ground who we support those pictures there are from a project our newest project which is in some moscow and that is working with autistic youngsters and they doing most incredible work that is an example of how we changed and, and developed over the years because they're using computer technology to help the children to communicate and they've got a um, 3d printer you have a 3d printer and they're, they're printing out things that would be terribly expensive for them to buy they're translating english computer software into russian we have some some amazing people working with these children and they are so intelligent and so imaginative and that they, they don't need us to go over and say do this do that you you know so we need to listen and say what do you need from us what would help you what are your ideas what are your projects how can we help you you were talking about your friend your friend that was um you listen to her talk and you hear about all the wonderful things that she's doing and how hard she works and how active she and, and her people are well, she's been over here and trained, uh, done medical training here. We've sponsored her to come over here and do further medical training. And she's also set up physiotherapy as a separate discipline, medical discipline, in the universities in St. Petersburg and Moscow. And she, she, I mean, she, there's just no stopping this woman. She reminds me of you. <laughs> well, she's a good 20 years younger than me. I'm 74. But you hear uh, this energy and your voice and this passion and all that the organization is doing, that the foundation is doing. Oh my gosh, there's, and, and you're only just kind of scratching the surface of all the different people you work with and all the different types of things. And it's just, it's so much to cover, but it is so great to be getting at least a little idea, just a small piece of, of all that you guys are doing. But I was just going to say, what is the key to success when you are doing these many projects? The key to success is, is communication, is keeping in touch with everybody. Our executive secretary, who is Russian herself, she visits all of these projects every year, and we get as many people as we can going over there and seeing what's going on. We also have written communication. We have to have reports from them, and we have a board meeting coming up. We will look at all the reports of the way they spend our money. We are a small charity, so we can keep very close eye on all the, where the money is spent, as well as where it's raised. I think that is the key to success. We're small enough to stay in touch with everything that's going on. And we all know each other and we help them to communicate with us as well. I mean, if, if they're struggling to fill reports in, fill forms in, we comply with all of the re requirements of the Russian government. We comply with all the requirements of the English Charity Commission. If they need some help to do that, then we will provide the clerical help for them. But we're so good at actually keeping a close eye on what's going on and knowing the people, the contact with the people, the individual people. And for me, it's very personal. You know, all the work I do, I do do a lot of work, fundraising work here in Chester, especially. And it feels deeply personal what, what is going on. And I think that is one of the successes, the reasons we're successful, because all of the directors are committed because it feels personal. Nobody's doing it just as a business or anything like that. And what makes it very personal for me, I've got to show you this young man here, I don't know if he's upside down. He's one of the children that were being looked after by the project in Parish House in Thunderpoga. I defy anybody to look at that little face and not want to help. It is very difficult to walk away from need like that child had. He looks so bewildered, he looks so frightened, and he is so hungry. 
And so it's very personal. And we keep it personal by making sure there's not too much bureaucracy between us and the projects, that we fulfill all our requirements, our legal requirements, and we help the projects to do that. So we're very, very closely involved in what they are doing, and, and they are keeping us in touch with everything that they're doing and all of their requirements. And I think it is, it is a very personal thing. Jane Jones is my guest today. She's representing the board of directors from St. Gregory's Foundation. And of course, we're talking about their work in Russia and Georgia and the different locations there and the, the many different types of services and works that they have, the leaders that they have on the ground and the way they support them and all that they do to serve these precious, precious people. Jane, you held up the picture of the young boy and you just sort of talk about how much you want to help him, right? When you know his story and you see his picture. Let's just talk about that in general, right? When you see this type of need, when you see these precious people who might find themselves facing some challenge or a, a disadvantage or their life is tough in some way, you said that you can't just walk away. Why not? Why can't you just walk away? Well, you could, obviously. Nobody would stop you. <laughs> but I don't feel... Um, I'm motivated very much by my Christian faith and uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, says, you know, as much as you do it for one of these, my children, you do it for me. And it's very much, um, you know, a spiritual thing as well. And I first got involved through the church. And Gregory's obviously helps anybody. It's completely, totally ecumenical. It's not a religious organization. But everybody's got their own reason for being so committed to the work we're doing. The Russians themselves, that the, Julia is Russian, uh, our exec, executive secretary. But I think there is a perception in this country that Russia is full of oligarchs and that they're all got shed loads of money. And when we went the first time and we got off the beaten trail up to uh, the north of Karelia, we came across the most incredible poverty. We, we were in uh, one village with no running water. Uh, they had electricity, but no running. And they were washing their pots and their, their clothes in the river. Um, we were quite shocked, I think, by the poverty we saw, but also by the lovely, lovely, lovely people. And there were 25 of us went on the first visit in 2007 from Chester Cathedral. All we wanted to do when we got back was to help. We, every To a man and a woman, we wanted to do something. We set up a fundraising programme to help uh, that specific project. And although now I'm a director, I get involved in all, all of the other ones as well. But I think if you've been and you've looked somebody in the eye, there was a lovely woman who was the, um, the, the sort of caretaker of, of a very tiny little church. And she had, there were tears in her eyes when we, she met us. And she said, we didn't think people in the West cared. And we were all going kind of lump in the throat, you know, and, and we all had the same experience. We all came back fired up to help out. And I think you can read things in newspapers, you can see things on the TV, but there's no substitute for actually going and seeing and meeting people and eating with them. You know, they, they entertained us at pancakes and, and they're such hospitable people and so warm and so loving. And I found so much love in that, in that place. It, it is wonderful. Uh, I think that's the, the important thing, really. And that's why you can't walk away because I feel that my family, I've got 13 grandchildren, and I couldn't bear the thought of any of my 13 grandchildren being as hungry as that little boy clearly was. You know, so it, it, it does become a very personal thing. Jane, there's a theme that 
comes up here on the program, on the podcast from time to time. Well, maybe it comes up all the time that we may come from areas where the need is different or the culture is different or the language and the background and the history, so on and so forth. But when you get right down to it, we're all the same, you know, and that's the part that binds us together as the human race and the opportunity, just as people have helped me when I needed it, then when I'm the person who can give the help, can I walk away? Can I walk away and not give that help? Is Can I look at that need and then choose to not do anything about it, knowing that I can and or have a calling to do so? No one can do it all. Like You, no, you no. can't, as one person, fix all the needs in the world. I'm 74, and I can't go and physically help these children, but I can have all sorts of events, uh, coffee mornings, afternoon teas, concerts, art exhibits. I've had all sorts of things. And send the money and because they are very capable of helping themselves. And obviously in London, Julia and the directors, we raise money from big organisations and we get grants and we get big things like the Giving Tuesday yesterday, raising over £11,000. And so we do the big fundraising, but we do the small fundraising as well. The fun things, because nobody says that you can't have fun when you're helping other people. You know, it doesn't apply. Uh, and so it is very important. Uh, you mentioned culture. That was the reason I first went in uh, 2007. I was curious because I grew up in the Cold War era and I love Russian music and Russian literature and Russian art. And I couldn't reconcile the picture we were being given of great big women in boiler suits driving concrete mixers and the concrete <laughs> architecture with the culture of, of, of Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and, and Tchaikovsky. And so I, I went out of, of curiosity because that I love the Russian culture. And when I went, it was just an eye opener. And that culture is still there. And the, the very musical people in the parish in, in the north of Russia. And we've had some wonderful cultural experiences there. And that's all still there. And it, it's fantastic. And the, the choirs in the, in the churches are just Unbelievable. I mean, they only have to sing two notes, and I'm in tears. You know, and it, it is. They, they are very, very well educated and musical people, and it's a familiar culture to me because I grew up listening to that music and, and looking at that art and reading those novels. And so, culturally, there was a, a good match for me when I first got involved. Oftentimes, there are images and perceptions that are painted of a people or a culture that when you do your own research or you experience it firsthand, you go to the place, the location, you find out, wait a minute, this was misrepresented. This it's is not, not how I saw it. Yeah, I thought it, it It's was. not maybe how it was presented to me. And, and that's the, the beautiful thing about... This is why I said earlier, this interaction, this exchange between us and, and, and the people in Russia is so useful, so valuable. You know, because the more we, we learn about other people's cultures, the more they learn about ours... Well, the more peace and harmony we have. Absolutely. Sometimes the the divisions are stoked to separate us when when we when you spend time with the people, even though they may be very different in some ways, you realize, my gosh, they are just like me. I also wanted to then talk briefly, Prince Michael of Kent, his role is what? Well, he's our patron which means he's, he's our figurehead, if you like. His, his name is on the, um, 
you know, on the top of the, of the, the paper. But he isn't just a figurehead. He, he is very interested in what we do. And as you know, the uh, royal family in England were related to the royal family in Russia. You know, there, there is a link. And he's taken an active part in what we do. He comes to our dinners and, you know, he's, he's, I would say he's visit, been to visit the Sunflower Project in St. Petersburg without a crown. And uh, so he very, he's a lovely chap. And um, one of our directors actually used to be his PA. And so that's how we have, I think, the, the link there. And so, um, yeah, so we, we think he's very much part of our family, Mr. Gregory's family. <laughs> Jane Jones is my guest today, joining us from St. Gregory's Foundation. Jane, how can the audience help? Obviously, we understand the need for funds. That's something. Tell us about that. But are there any other ways that people can be of encouragement? Yes. I mean, to get involved, to actually take an interest, to get onto the website, to sign up for the monthly newsletter. This, this newsletter tells, gives you all sorts of details about the charity and about their work they do. Share that information with other people. So spread the word money obviously there are details in the newsletter there's details online on, on the website which is on screen now you don't have to just give money for nothing there is a shop which we only opened in july which i'm running from here and um, we've got gifts matryoshka dolls and hochlema um, things painted things toiletries from siberia fabulous scented herbal scented organic toiletries and um, we've got books in russian We've got a few books in English, but we're going to get some more books in English. We've got mugs. We've got paintings. We've got we've got all sorts of things on our shop. So if you want to give to us, but get something in return, then do go on to the, the shop and have a look and I will send it to you. But, but taking an interest. I mean, the people in, in Russia have often said to us, the fact that we care, the fact that we take an interest, which they are, are so surprised by, they, they still see us as the enemy in a way. And they are surprised because they were subjected to, to their propaganda in the same way that we were during the Cold War. And so breaking down those barriers is really crucial. And, and anything that people can do to, to sort of look and, and take an interest, uh, that's very, very valuable. Um, obviously, donate. <laughs> You're a retired teacher? Yes. Well, you've done a great job today. You can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom out of the teacher. Which means I've got to finish up this interview before you give me homework because I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to test you on it later on. <laughs> I already feel so inadequate. Please don't do this. <laughs> Please know that we see you and we value and honor what you're doing. And we do appreciate the opportunity to show people what we're all about. We appreciate that very much. Thank you for, for asking us to take part in this. You're more than welcome. And again, I appreciate your time and all that you do. And we look forward to having you back on the show in the future as we will get an update, I'm sure. In the meantime, again, thank you. And on, on behalf of everybody that you're representing today, the entire team, we just want to let you know that we, we appreciate what you do. And on behalf of all those children we help, thank you very much. SaintGregorysFoundation.org.uk. And Saint is abbreviated S-T, by the way, if you're listening to the audio version. But you know what? Always, you can go to theedgeofadventure.com. You'll find the link. You'll find the post for this podcast, and I'll have all those links there to keep it easy if you forget or didn't have time to write it down, that sort of thing. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Jane Jones from St. Gregory's Foundation. It's uh, been another great edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. My pleasure as always. Thank you so much, Jane. Thank you very much indeed. 
My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. (laughs) 